Systeria is supported by the Victorian Government through Creative Victoria. If you like Systeria, why not check out The Rereaders, a fortnightly literary and cultural podcast at www.therereaders.com. You've got cash, I got ideas. Welcome to Sisteria, a podcast about women's experiences as creators and consumers of arts and the arts. God, good start. Um, I'm Stefan Schilt. I'm Renny Sullivan. And thanks for joining us today. Um, today we have with us the amazing, incredible Candy Bowers, who is an international award-winning playwright, actor and comedian who does way too many things for me to even start listing this how many line bio here? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be the rest of the episode, basically. Yeah. So thank you for coming in, Candy. Mm. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for having me, yeah. It's so great. I think that what we were just talking about in terms of commercials and advertising mm. reminded me a lot of what you wrote for The Brow when I commissioned oh, yes. you to write yeah. on that. Can you talk a little bit about that piece? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I wrote about how you think you're best friends with the people on your TV, like particularly people who grew up, you know, I don't know, what are we, Generation Y or X, the last people that really sat in front of the box with their family or through the school holidays. My friend who's Zimbabwean who lives with me, she said she used to rush home from school and watch Oprah at lunchtime and go back to school. That's amazing. Yeah, right? So we grew up believing these guys were families, friends, you know, and I talked a lot about the Cosby show and how Rudy was my same age and have a fairly absent father figure so Bill Cosby was absolutely my dad Mm. I dreamt of him being my dad you know which is chilling to say out loud Mm. now and and the crushing blow of him being you know a monster it felt like finding out that about my dad you know and the hard thing though is then you can't just go okay I'll just like click into the other guy then now that I had as a fantasy because you know the dad of family ties doesn't look anything like me Mm. and there weren't any black kids in that family so it's you know at a pinch like Webster but he didn't even his Ben Vereen didn't really play his dad it was like his friend so it was like just the lack of representation leaves you at a loss when something like that goes down because we've got so few um, icons or people to relate to and you know so recently Australian TV just let me on TV and um, (laughs) I was watching my episode of Newton's Law with a big audience of the folks that created it incredible production company every crowd uh, cloud very feminist um my episode was very lady um uh john burrow actually directed it but there was a lot of women creating writing the script and you could feel it like on the set it was like oh there's it's just great characters and i don't feel stereotyped and stuff like that <laughs> I wonder where that is. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, so to, somebody said to me, this girl who's kind of like a motor mouth um, intern or something in the writer's room, she's like, oh, my gosh, it was so great to see you. It was so funny. Except I totally didn't expect, like, when they were talking about this girl with, like, asymmetrical hair and big earrings, like, I didn't really see um, 
like <laughs> how, trying to figure out how to put it <laughs> and i was like big black lady <laughs> with an australian accent you know what i mean like i've never seen like a plus size multiracial woman from the african diaspora with an australian accent on an australian tv show with the likes of claudia coven because there's never been one yeah. and now you're here right yeah. and i was like as confronted as the next guy i was like whoa she looks really different and and it was me. So there's this really crazy thing too where I guess when I got out of NIDA, I was told that I wouldn't get work in Australia because nobody was writing parts for me. I wasn't the type of Australian woman that Australia wanted to see uh, or else, you know, someone would have written a part for me. And I was like, but I'm also a comic. Don't comics just get on shit? And I found that really interesting that almost everybody I know from the comedy world, all of the folks and the ladies I went through have done bits and pieces on comedy. They now have their own series or they've gotten all that stuff. And I was the only woman of colour, like, even around... Like, I was trying to think, who do I remember of comedy festival, women of colour? And there aren't very many at all. A couple of Indigenous women, Shirley Hood, um, Mama Milo... And I was like, who else? The one year that Wanda Jackson played, a few Wanda Jackson, no, she's the country singer. <laughs> Wanda Sykes, Wanda Sykes um, played. A few people came to my gig, just mixed us up because we're the only black women oh. at the festival, Jeez. right? It's out of 2,000, 3,000 artists. So in Australia, it's been like such a strange experience, erasure. Yeah. What does that feel like? And and I was at a gig, I was at a comedy gig um, that my friend Nellie Thomas put on for her kids' primary school. It was very cute. Mm. And there were lots and lots of big names. Tony Martin was on and Luke McGregor. And Luke McGregor came up to me in the dressing room and he said, as I was getting ready, he goes, are you, what are you, are you a singer or... Are you? And I was like, I'm a comic. I do do a bit of music comic, a bit of hip hop comedy. And he goes, oh, okay. And he just was very, you know, quizzical look on his face. And he, he kind of said, I just never, never come across you. And I said, oh, I probably hit the big time just before your time. And like, <laughs> black don't crack. I'm a little bit older than you. But then it hit me because most of the people who'd hit my level, my level of accolades, had gone on to get more work, had worked, particularly on TV, on all those crazy live entertainment shows um and I wasn't I just wasn't invited in at Mm. any point chase or whatever those guys and um and you could say oh we just didn't they they it's unconscious bias they didn't even think about Mm. it but I think it's so glaring it's so glaring and um and it was yeah and it's too it's interesting because he's a very very nice man and I I wouldn't you know like he's certainly not racist at all but the the idea because he produces work and he produces shows I'm sure he thinks he thought he would have known who the best of the best were that he could work with on his shows and stuff but he'd never seen me and he saw my bit and he was like you're so great and you're an actor what you know and I was like see he should know who I am. Yeah. And and it's this fucking eerie shit. We of just erasure and but nobody not, wants to take not real. accountability like yeah it's right not real no it's one of those invisible gases yeah. like what who used to say that tony abbott or someone mm. said the name out loud Someone's don't say it three times <laughs> yeah, otherwise you're all fucked you're gonna get cursed the <laughs> 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 so bird's gonna shit on my head when i walk outside <laughs> fuck but yeah you know so this is a really interesting thing for me i was telling my my friend louise goff who um recently gave me a really cool call because i just got into a professional development uh, three-day training course with Screen Australia, which was um, 
basically saying, look, we've done this milestone study, which told us what we all know, which is that 80 to 90% of Australian TV is Anglo-Celtic. Yeah. Uh, and we don't think that's okay. So we want to know who, who the creators are out there from more culturally diverse backgrounds and, um, you know, intersectional backgrounds, so mixed ability, etc., that we can see, you know, just take one of those walls down because it's all about accessibility, mm. right? Um, I'm going to go do a, a little role as a police commissioner because this is my year for doing bit parts in <laughs> comedies, right? It's <laughs> like playing a mediator, policeman, lady at office works. Um, I'm really enjoying it, actually. It's really fun. No, it's, it's what great. I'm trying to and do. Like you were just saying how growing up you never saw mm. people of colour, people who felt like people that you could you know look up to yeah on tv and our kids are coming to you (laughs) and recognizing you from television yeah and that's like that's such a beautiful kind of it really is kind of which is it's interesting too because you go i mean it's taken too long that's ridiculous it's It's like beautiful full circle but yeah it's gross yeah and that's what i'm saying to louise i feel like i'm the um kind of embodiment of her story of that change from being told i didn't represent enough of australia to to getting winning a office works ad that could have gone to a man or a woman just uh, someone with a big personality and really fun and can dance wait for the internet wait for the internet commercial ad- <laughs> extension it's quite fun um <laughs> we'll put a link up I mean? on our site when it's available <laughs> yeah. you'll but regret that right. <laughs> but this is the thing i was like wow i went from being no australian to being every australian but mm. yes it did take a good 18 years and I guess that's the interesting thing too like why people want to argue with you about that stuff like they're like or you just weren't good enough Mm. I'm like um have you watched Australian TV do you think everyone on there is very excellent at what they do (laughs) I'm not even saying you know it's not about elitism this is about people you know, putting in the hard yards and getting their shot yeah well and you've you've you said you studied at NIDA like you've gone through well, yeah, if you can't get a crack after graduating from NIDA, that's what have you done? Sense, right? yeah. Failed on entry. Yeah. yeah. Which is very hard when you've convinced your parents and you're from a migrant background that there's a future in it and people are like, no future for you. So it's kind of a, yeah. It's so a, you kind of like, fuck the future, I'll make my own. Yeah. And, I'll and that's it. it. Yeah. Mm. You know, the best way of predicting the future is making it yourself, right? I read that on a hotel wall in London somewhere. I don't know so who proud. said that. It's probably from Rumi. And it's probably all those people that hate Muslims that quote that quote that yeah, all the time. Yeah, right. I'm like, yeah, Islamic, yeah, philosopher. I love the African proverb <laughs> imposed over the you know the, the desert scene with a single tree, and people put that on their like Facebook wall as their yeah. inspirational quote. But you're not allowed in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I will take this symbols. Right. Um, it's interesting that you say that uh, people want to argue with you or want to you know want to kind of have that fight because I'm really interested in the way that you are so outspoken and um, unapologetic and just like pointing out bullshit and pointing out Mm. um, prejudices that maybe I'm wondering whether people perceive that truth telling as inherently like picking a fight. Mm. I'd say so. Um, The thing that hurts me more or shakes me more are the people of colour or the people from diverse backgrounds of the women that can't support it that actually sit there like having felt the exact same thing and just they're they're so overwhelmed and confronted because somebody's saying the very thing they're feeling and that's Mm. 
also the thing that I find extraordinary because that's what uh, – uh, that blows me away. Even with my last article I did for SBS Life, which was a really hard write. I wrote, you know, you only get, what, 800 words or something mm. and I wrote like probably 5,000. It was really hard. It's really hard to – make a finite metaphor for erasure Mm. it's really hard to like sum up things um and you can only use poetry I think because it's big enough to to hold it together but one thing that made me actually burst into tears was um Wesley Enoch who's the the Sydney festival director and is you know probably one of the foremost um arts uh, producers in the country and he's also Aboriginal, he's Murray from, from Queensland, gave me some of my early breaks. Um, he wrote underneath that article, thank you, thank you for uh, something like, thank you for putting into words the way I feel in my chest. Mm. And it was like, ah, we, those of us that have maintained, that have been able to break through and stayed in the industry, we're still there kind of going, oh, I'm looking up at this wall of whiteness and feeling feeling so freaked out and then I'm being told in so many different ways directly and indirectly that somehow it's my fault or um, it's certainly not okay to bring up the very feeling you know those very feelings Uh, and when at the same time something minor happens and you see like a you know young white man who's in leadership like snap and break over something you think wow you know I kind of it's a it's a really interesting time because in the last I guess 12 months or so I've done some interesting things where I've turned stuff around inside the audition room Mm. Um, and I always used to say just let me in the room and we'll see what happens you know if if I don't get the gig or you don't let if you let people color in and they don't get the gig fair play the problem of you know, the discrimination is we're not even getting the casting. We're not even in the room. Mm. So I, yeah, so a couple of times I've been able to go in and and wow them and they've gone like, we thought this was going to be a white man, but we're giving this role to you. And that happened also with the last role that I played at MTC in Lilith, the Jungle Girl. I was the only woman who um, was auditioned for the show and I got it. Yeah, and so, and I've been nominated for Best Female Performer at the Green Rooms for this show. Fantastic. Which I think is great because I'm playing a colonizer, I'm playing a Dutchman. Mm. And at the turn of the um, 19th century, and. You have those amazing. Yeah, had the jowls. (laughs) And um, um, I'm up against against these women who played the classics like Miss Julie and (laughs) Glass Menagerie that that rarely do colourblind casting, you know. Is there an awards ceremony for that? Can you go with the chops? I know, right? (laughs) It's like coming in character. I was going to drop like the Moonlight speech of the director who won the Oscar. But like it's so interesting to me because I guess – I think about it all the time and in the application I had to do for Screen Australia, they asked quite directly, what are the barriers mm. to um, in your career? And I'm and always you will like, have had a word limit on that as well. Yeah. That's the same thing. But all, I was talking to another lady who's at um, Vic Writers in the dis, uh, disability writing section and we were just saying how confronting that was mm. to write that write about your life and what you've experienced, those barriers you've experienced. Um and what you've done to like keep going and 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 find the cracks and the lights in the wall and and just bounce back to it and it's interesting because i think 
I do think the age of entitlement is slowly coming to a close, even though there's a zeitgeist going on mm. with Trump and Brexit and Hanson. Because um, if someone like me is getting in a room and then kind of winning all of these parts and stuff, because I have to be the best. I'm in rooms. I'm never in – I haven't been yet in a – in a casting room with a whole bunch of black women. Mm. I've been in casting rooms with men and women, with women from diverse backgrounds. And um, and so you have to you have to find this quality. And it's kind of like, I was like, oh, this is what I was born to do. This is my shit, you know. Um, bring it. And what I do know is that if you've gotten that really easy in your life, you don't have a lot of tools in your kit. Um, well, there's no fight if you haven't yeah, had to fight for it. That's right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of like, well, it's on now, isn't it, brothers? It's on. Let's see what you've got. If we're both given an even playing field, which we're not yet, but if we were, let's see who, who gets to the end, you mm. know, let's see what we got. And um, that that's exciting. That feels more like meritocratous, but who knows? Yeah, or maybe that comes back to... Um, you know, overt discrimination, it's pretty much unacceptable in every area of society. But unconscious bias is so powerful Prevalent. and so hard to overcome. And so, as you say, if you can get in the room, if you can get in front of someone, if you can have a personal connection or just show your individual self and your incredible talent, um, then they're not going to, they're going to be forced to confront whatever internalized biases were making them assume that you wouldn't be the right fit in the first place. So, you're actually making people reckon with why they might assume yeah. you are or aren't the right fit. And I think, because I was talking to my partner, because I did a play last year as well called Straight White Men by Young Jin Lee, which is a very funny and smart um, play and great for him to watch. He happens to be a cisgendered white guy. I, I said to him the other night, do you think it's weird that I'm seeing a cisgendered white guy, <laughs> heterosexual white guy? And he goes... Yes. <laughs> and, um, so we share humour. We share, share humour. <laughs> He's so great like that. And it was so great watching it though because we actually went to primary school together. It's a really funny story. But the tantruming in that show is so good because like when he tantrums and I'm like, this is like, you know, that brother or that brother. And he's like, yeah. Because white men particularly haven't had to – unpick anything because they haven't had to go hang on uh there's things about me that's that's creating they haven't had the barriers Mm. so they don't think they exist Mm. and that's the part that i go really until they're called out yeah and then it's like oh no but not me not all men yeah not not all men but that's i i I just kind of go but you're human right you're a human being a lot of you you got children you can watch them play and what they're up to it's like i met a woman who's she's indian and her partner's white and the kids are mixed race and the kids she said every single one of them got to like year three and went can dad pick us up and they live in kind of white bread part of Brisbane and he had her husband just wouldn't believe her that it was about color and she's like come on so I'm kind of like you know you could have even asked the like go and ask the kids they can't lie Mm. And they totally. probably won't lie. Yeah. And it'll be the pressures around them. And then it's the like... The excuses. Yeah. It couldn't be that. It's got to be this. And it's like, just let it yeah. let it be that. Like, just for a moment, explore that. Just for a moment, explore the idea that a big reason why you have accomplished so much is because you have a penis and mm-hmm. you have white skin. Feel uncomfortable about it for a minute. Because mm-hmm. then you can go, oh, that can rise up in you. And even when I was doing a recent 
commercial as the unlikely hero. Um, a few other white guys, like this one guy pinned me and he was like, so I heard the other person that could have been your role was like a white man. And I was like, yeah, yeah, heard that too, heard that too. And he was like, what do you think you did wrong? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. But um, the client was just like, can't stop talking about how charismatic I am and how much fun I am. Maybe he wasn't fun or charismatic enough. And I looked at him like, why do you think I got it? <laughs> and it's it's this great moment where maybe that mo- that something dawns where maybe your colour and your, your um, gender could be a, a bad thing mm-hmm. and it was, it was quite I was like that's a great journey for you to go on young man yeah. you know what I mean because I'm a like a nice day with those thoughts yeah. yeah and then it's and what I you find with the white fragility is like well that's not fair mm. no, no, no. I'm like oh that's not fair try like lifetimes and missing out on mentors and and icons because of this situation you know you get to walk into a room and the entire crew is like you you get to walk into a costume room or a makeup department and the people have the same texture. And mm. I, I'm like, just one time, I'd love them to listen to me. The hair, I'm like, this is not right, you know. And just be cool with that. You don't know how to do my hair because you have worked in Australia your whole life and you haven't had many heroes with my hair. And that's fair enough. But could we get someone who's an expert? I'm getting paid a lot of money. So how about we get an expert, mm. you know? And maybe for the white man, you know, having that experience of not getting what you want, it's like you're not being punished. You're actually just not being rewarded for the first time for no reason. Right. It's that line. It's like, you know, um, equality feels like oppression to white men. Mm, That's beautiful. No, listen to me. No, listen to me. No, listen to me. Frontier Psychiatry. I give myself very good advice, but I very seldom follow it. You don't need to be helped any longer. You've always had the power to go back to Kansas. Frontier Psychiatry. Arrogant Arts, an exercise in overcoming our imposter syndrome, where we answer your questions with authority we feel we don't have. This week's question is about how to call someone out or in. Recently, I gently explained to a colleague that I thought they needed to consider a more diverse range of perspectives for an event we were organising. They started crying and I feel really bad. Should I be taking a different approach? Should I not have said anything? But sometimes patience isn't the best thing. Sometimes the learning curve is going... You need to know this and you have to deal with your white fragility because you will never cry again because that's really embarrassing. So so what I said at this, um, I was recently on the panel at the Wheeler for the um, Day of the Girl and Judith Lucy was the chair and there was like lots and lots of women. It was amazing. I was like, if the world was run by us, <laughs> 15-year-old Aretha Williams all the way, who's Indigenous activist all the way to Judy, so cool. Um <laughs> And I said, don't 
shield each other. Mm. Don't shield each other from this community, from this education. Don't shield each other from this education. That means what I get a lot is when I'm like, that's not right. And here's why. And people go, you're attacking me. I'm like, no, I'm telling you my existence. I'm speaking my truth. You're taking it as an attack because you're incredibly sensitive because you've never actually had to deal with this before. That's not my problem. How you process that is going to teach you a lot of things about yourself and things that you need to get stronger on and understand better. When we shield each other or that person that doesn't know yet, they don't get the learning experience, they don't get the curve and that's what's happening and that's what I call internalised whatever racism, internalised bigotry because what you do is you take their bigotry and you put it in you and you turn it around and you come back out and you make it okay for them to have been that's short-sighted, small-minded, bigoted, hurtful, offensive, etc. And well, it's I holding it's kind of like holding a hand after they've already swung Oh yeah, it hug it out. Like yeah. it's like you punch me in the face and I hug you. Yeah. I've made so many people cry. Um, you know, and, and I go, but I you're think not. That, that should be the opening yeah, yeah. of this, of this <laughs> episode. Like, you're not allowed to cry. You're you're offending me, yeah, and yeah, now yeah. you're crying. Like this woman at a theatre company because I had I had braids at the time said to me tomorrow for the TVC, um, if you could just come in, no makeup, clean, and also, if you can, uh, your hair dry and clean, if I can. Uh. I was like, um, what? are you suggesting I can't clean my hair? Is it not dry and clean right now? And, mm. and, and she was like, oh, I just uh, – and, and I realised there'd been all these emails sent around the theatre company about my hair, my hair, my hair. Mm. And I was like, dudes, just because I'm the first woman of the African diaspora to be in a lead role at your theatre company doesn't mean I'm here to take all this shit. And I said to her, you've got to understand that there's a history of black women being told that they're dirty and particularly that their hair's dirty. My hair is clean. And, um, and she just was like, oh. and, and it's really interesting because I kind of go, I don't know, did she learn a lesson? Got no idea. But at the end of the day, I'm not interested in being laughed at or offended because of who I am. I'm not going to go, hey, can I just, sorry, can we just, you know, and make that easy for her. I'm going to say that's offensive and talk directly. But the funny thing is you, you don't, if you're constantly thinking about your approach and you're always a fraction of yourself, it actually churns you up. Mm. You don't get to live properly. Mm. So I just think, yeah, definitely be clear. And for those out there that don't know what's coming yet, you're going to go through an adjustment period. Everybody does. This change is happening. You know, you get on board or you don't. You can see the old white dudes and certain folks that are holding on it for dear life mm. and freaking the hell out. But you know what? It's happening. It's not going to change. The wave's here. Yeah. And I think if someone's crying, they're recognising that they've done something that could hurt people and they're, they're, feeling, they're, they're feeling that internally, that that's an important thing. So I don't want people to be crying, but, you know, it... And it if shows they're that not and they're just through. feeling sorry for themselves, then yeah. they're missing the entire point. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's the problem too when it's like really narcissistic. It's like, dude, in this moment you're making it about you yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, we should probably get you to do a shout out now. Mm. So um, yeah. you sent through a, <laughs> no. a wealth of options. <laughs> so I'm sure we can check a list up online of, yes. of, all, of all of those because they all sound amazing. Yes. But if we just had to grab one from that list. Okay, one I'd say is the One Million Stars Project by um, Marianne Talia Powell. That's an amazing project. 
anyone can send in 10 stars. You can make them with your nieces and nephews. While you make them, you talk a little bit about domestic violence around the country and the world. Uh, She's building up to one million and having a beautiful centrepiece at the Commonwealth Games in Brisbane, I believe. Uh, She created the project after a woman was brutally murdered in her community and it was like, you know, washing up on the beach, the bodies, the bodies, the bodies. So she decided, what can we do? Let's make things together. Let's talk about it. Uh, You can write messages of, of love and hope and support on those stars that you make. There's weaving tutorials online when we put on hot brown honey we have um, the stars in our foyer or wherever depending on where we are in the main hall so people are just constantly aware of this being still one of the the you know key ways that women die uh, and, and and men as well but mainly women and um, it's a really beautiful project so mm, check it amazing. out amazing absolutely well thanks for letting us make it all about you today candy <laughs> thank you so much okay. candy thanks, thanks for, for joining us in. Sisteria is created by women for women but also anyone who wants to listen for links to everything we've discussed and to get in touch check out our website sisteriapodcast.com you can subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at SisteriaPod. Sisteria is produced by me, Izzy roberts and co-presented by the ReReaders and the Melbourne Library Service, supported by Creative Victoria. Our incredible theme music is by Rainbow Chan. The song is called Last and is available on her new record, Spacings. Sisteria is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present and to the elders of the land this podcast reaches. We hope you tune in again soon. Sister.